In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Well, on Thursday, we had the privilege of celebrating the Feast of the Ascension at St. Martin's in Severna Park with Bishop Eloff preaching. It was good to see so many people from St. Andrew's logged onto the Facebook feed, and the video is still available on the St. Martin's Facebook page for those of you who couldn't join in on Thursday. And thanks to Twitter, I was exposed for the first time this week to the joke that the Feast of the Ascension is the day we celebrate the day Jesus started working from home. That's true. There's more to it, but I'll leave that there for now. What I want to talk about this morning is Jesus' conversation with His disciples just before He ascended. As you may know, the book of Acts is really the second volume of the work Luke began with his gospel. After the first couple of introductory verses, Luke picks up in our Acts reading where he left off, with the risen Jesus talking with His disciples about what's coming next. What's coming next? You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, says Jesus. Now, it seems to me like it would be a pretty big deal, something the disciples could get really excited about. Remember John's baptism, guys? Well, remember how he baptized with water? In just a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so, of course, they're more excited about this than anything else. They can't wait to be clothed with power from on high so that they can tell everyone the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, right? No. What's the next thing we read? So when they met together, they asked Him, Lord, are You at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? One privilege of being a pastor is that you get to hear the things couples say to each other as the ceremony gets started. The father walks the bride up the aisle, he kisses her and hands her off to the groom, and the two of them hold each other's hands and turn to me. Sometimes the groom tells her she looks amazing, sometimes one of them tells the other how nervous they are, sometimes one is fighting to push back tears. Most times I have to tell one of them to move a little bit to one side or the other so they'll be right for the photographs. But what I never hear from them is, hey, when can we pick out paint colors for the hall bathroom together? Why not? Because that's not the point. That's not what's important about being married. Does it come along with? Sure. You get married, you pick out paint colors together. Or if you're smart, the spouse who doesn't really care feigns interest and cooperation as the other spouse picks what she wants. But that's not the essence of marriage. Jesus restoring the kingdom to Israel is part and parcel of His lordship of the entire universe, but it's not the essence of it. Nobody goes to a fancy restaurant, nobody can right now, but when they can, nobody says, wow, I can't believe I'm going to get to use six different forks before the night is out. None of us, while we were lined up outside the chapel for our seminary graduation, were talking about how excited we were to buy the little tabs that hold your clergy collar onto your clergy shirt. These things come with, but they're not the main thing. As I think about what the decisions we need to make in the coming weeks and months are, I, I feel like I'm supposed to make sure we avoid looking like the disciples on Ascension Day. I think we need to make sure that we're not missing the point. So 
I want to share with you what I'm thinking about as I work with our bishop and our vestry to determine how we will proceed with making fuller use of our building. The first thing I need to say, and I need to say this emphatically, is that we are not going to reopen. The reason we're not going to reopen is that we never closed. At the bishop's request, we did encourage our people to worship by the cathedral's live stream for some services that we had been planning to hold here. But apart from March 22nd, when we directed everybody to the cathedral, as the bishop said, we've been holding worship services here at St. Andrew's every Sunday morning, usually twice, and we're going to keep doing that. Beyond our usual support, this church has stepped up to provide generously for those in need in our community. We as a vestry are continued to continued, uh, committed to continue doing that. Recently, we received a generous bequest, and our vestry decided unanimously to set aside 10% of it to give away over the course of this year to serve the needs of our neighbors. People in this church continue to pray for each other, to call each other, to help each other out. So there's no question about reopening. We've been open. The questions we do need to work through have to do with what our building use will look like as more people are able to use it. Now, I imagine you're primarily thinking about what that means for worship on Sunday mornings, but I want you to remember that this building God has given us is put to use for other things as well. As soon as the county and the diocese permit us to, and as soon as AA is ready to meet in person here again, we'll make our space available to the Saturday morning group and to any other group that needs space. I thank God that there are people who have found sobriety through the online offerings of AA and other groups, but it's much better for most people to have the option to get together in person. The Boy Scouts, likewise, will be able to meet in person once they've decided they're ready to. Those groups may decide to meet outdoors, so more people can participate safely. That'll be up to them. And even before we open for those uses, we've been given permission to make our facility available for the Red Cross Blood Drive on June 3rd. Thanks to those of you who have signed up, either to donate or to volunteer, or both. We've filled up almost half the available slots already. And they don't have a lot of donation sites in the area, so if all goes well on the 3rd, we'll probably have another one later on in the summer. Just last week, our space was reserved again for the Pearl Harbor commemoration, the first weekend of December, and of course, we'll be hosting winter relief again in November. We've taken advantage of the fact that the space wasn't being used to get some painting done upstairs and in the stairwells, thanks to Steve Linkus for his good work, and our junior warden, Rich Crothers, has been taking advantage of extra time off of work and the beautiful weather to get the memorial garden in excellent shape, thanks to him and to all the others who have volunteered over the past weeks to enable us to put our best foot forward. In other words, this church continues to be faithful stewards of the facility God has provided us. We're preparing for it to be put to greater use. But as we do, we will be very sure to keep in mind the safety of the most vulnerable among us. There will be some changes for all of us in terms of keeping doors open and staying six feet away and sanitizing the bathrooms every time they're used and all that kind of thing, but some things will be different. Some things will be very different. And we'll let you know about those differences as we approach the time when we can gather to worship again in person. These changes are going to take some getting used to for all of us, but I'm confident we'll be able to figure out what we need to figure out. 
among the things that has struck me the past couple of months has been the fact that the people of this church are always ready to roll up their sleeves and get to work cheerfully on whatever needs to be done. This excellent attitude is one of the things that makes me hopeful that we won't be looking foolish like the disciples. The other thing that makes me hopeful is that I think we have a sense of perspective. You may have noticed that I spent a lot more time talking about this building's use apart from our worship on Sundays than I did talking about what our services are going to be like. And that's because the worship our church offers doesn't just happen in this room. Remember, the reason Jesus told His disciples they would be given power from on high was that they would need that power to do the job He had for them. They were about to take the news of His life, death, and resurrection throughout Jerusalem, throughout Judea, throughout Samaria, and beyond the farthest reaches of the world. We come together in this space to give God the praise due His name, to share the joy of fellowship, but we also come here to be prepared for the mission He has for us. In our prayers after communion, we ask God to send us now into the world in peace or to send us out to do the work You have given us to do, to love and serve You as faithful witnesses of Christ our Lord. You may have noticed that when I give the offering sentence, I begin by quoting what Paul said about the Eucharist. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. We proclaim it in the act of celebrating communion together. And furthermore, that act is one of the ways God equips us to do that work of bearing witness to Him, however He wants us to do that. That's what this church is for. It's not our church, really. It's Jesus's. It's His church, and it's to be put to use for His purposes. We have the privilege of being entrusted with its stewardship. In the year and a half, I've had the privilege of serving as your priest. It gives me every confidence that we will one day hear, uh, hear Him tell us, well done, good and faithful servants. One more thing. The Acts reading tells us that it wasn't given to the disciples to know the time and manner by which God would work out His purposes. That's perfectly natural to want to know when something's going to happen. There's a reason we can all joke about the kids asking, are we there yet? Because they all do that. Likewise, many of us are asking, when can we gather for worship again? I'm afraid the answer for us is the same answer as the disciples got. That's not for us to know. As is so often the case, we'll know what we need to know when we need to know it and probably not much before that. One of my mentors used to say that God is never late, but He does miss a lot of chances to be early. But here again, our call is to wait patiently for Him to make the way clear for us, and as we wait, to prepare ourselves to walk in it. Amen. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen, 
We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through Him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, He came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, He became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, He was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, He rose again in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and His kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, He is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. 